Hello. Hello. Welcome to Salem the Podcast. We are your hosts and favorite Salem tour guides. My name is Jeffrey Lilly. And I'm Sarah Black. And today we have a little... Festive episode. Sh- sure. Non-historical normative to Salem. Sure. You could just say not not our usual. Yeah. <laughs> not our usual. We're going with some holiday stuff today. Yes. So if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah to our friends out there, Kwanzaa, Winter Solstice, Yule. It is Yule. a time. Yes, it is a time for many holidays. But today we're going to focus a lot on Christmas and Yule and more of their pagan roots. Cuz uh I think we all know that, right? Like that's that's a, a pretty common narrative today on on how these things have come to be or why we do some things that we do i do appreciate the little notes that pass around on social media like pictures of christmas trees it's like remember every time you decorate your christmas tree you're doing magic (laughs) it all harkens back to old old traditions but you've you you did two tours three tours four tours you have one tour left i'm doing two a week right now so i'm I'm slow and steady i actually have two left for the whole year i was gonna say you're coming up on on finishing up my last two i don't think i had any nothing crazy to report on the last couple okay it's been easy on the streets okay so no tour time. Sorry, guys. No tour. Oh, although we oh. did we did see the Grinch as we were walking around <laughs> yesterday. Did he come and interrupt you? No, he oh. didn't. He was across the street. Okay. But I did stop the tour. I was like, everyone's got to pause real quick. Grinch is behind you. He interrupted me uh, Halloween last year, so not 2023, 2022. Not like interrupted. The Grinch was out in Halloween? Yeah, yeah, I love I, it. I think it was Halloween. It was either like on or around and just sort of like walks through the tour, like the group, and <laughs> folding his arms and all. <laughs> I was like, if you're lucky, he'll give you an onion. Uh, <laughs> my As, my group also had a front row seat to the gingerbread man, uh, who was I don't know if you saw Good Witch yes. did her her trolley tour where she wrangles up all the little kids and they get on the trolley and they chase the gingerbread man around Salem. So it's this guy in a gingerbread outfit onesie thing and he's coming down Essex Street and I was like, oh boy, I think there's a, a gaggle of young girls around somewhere. <laughs> and my group got, like I said, front row seat, watched the the people screaming out of the trolley. Oh, that's pretty great. Gingerbread man is ducking behind the trees. It was great. It was great. A lot of festivities here in Salem this weekend had a great time it's been it's all always always is a good time before we jump into some of those old festivities a couple quick patreon shout outs yay what do we got this week uh starting off with Diane Lynn thank you Diane thank you and a big thank you to Joyce Maroney thank you Joyce and last but not least for this week we have Allison Thank you, Allison. Appreciate you guys. Thank you uh, to all our Patreon uh, listeners, members, subscribers. We appreciate you. Thank you. Now on with the show. On with the show. So saith, uh, I don't know, Barnum Bailey, on with the show. Yeah, but we're going way back further than that. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Let's go back to Roman times. Oh, the Romans. They liked a good party. Yes, they did. Before the Roman Empire, even the Roman Republic, when Saturnalia was established. So we, I think we talked a little bit about these traditions last year around this time in our Krampus yeah, episode. Yeah, we touched on a few. 
So if you are interested in Krampus or the holiday season in general, this might be a great episode to pair with that one. Some some cheese to go with your wine. Exactly. <laughs> so what was Saturnalia? It was a week-long celebration running from December 17th to the 23rd in honor of the agricultural god Saturn. This also coincided with the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year, during which they celebrated Sol Invictus, the sun god's return. So I think one thing that we see a lot of, and maybe... Maybe it happens everywhere. I'm sure it happens everywhere, but I wonder if it happens more to a degree here in Salem because we have such a large practicing Wiccan population. I think I hear and see the words happy winter solstice or blessed Yule as much as I see Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. So it's kind of cool to really see these old traditions still woven through because Coming from the Midwest, it is a very heavily, you know, uh, Merry Christmas or die kind of yeah, situation. Yeah. Like when the whole Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas thing was my world in the Midwest. <laughs> like they were some of the the big Merry Christmas pushers. So I love being able to walk down the streets or have a conversation with a friend here in town. And instead of saying Merry Christmas, they say Happy Winter Solstice. You know, it's just it's culturally enriching. Yeah, so with the the happy holidays, Merry Christmas thing, I think I'm still a little on the fence. Personally, I would prefer someone not to just use a generic happy holidays. You want them... To wish me... Whatever they celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I understand that we may not celebrate the same thing. And it's okay if you don't say the same thing back to each other. Right. Like, that's okay. Yeah, but if you're having... It's Hanukkah right now, so if you're happy Hanukkah, I I don't celebrate Hanukkah, but I would... would, But we have Jewish friends, so we say And I would like to be wished in in their greeting, in their festive, in their celebration, right? I don't just want them to be, oh, happy holidays, because, sure, yeah, great, it's the holidays, we're all happy, right? But, like, wish me happiness of your celebration. I love that. Right? <laughs> I, I And I hope, I think we are moving towards that. I think yeah. there is a variety of those holidays expressed. And, you know, whether it's, what maybe it's Festivus. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't care. Like, yeah, whatever yeah. you celebrate, wish me the blessings of, of, your, of your happiness. The more, the merrier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And this uh, this Saturnalia was the merriest of the Roman festivals. They exchanged gifts and food during the celebration. And one could say exchanged roles as well. So you kind of see this weird role reversal okay. where um, folks of the lower class, say servants, they would be kind of uplifted for the day, uh-huh. um, rest, they wouldn't have to work, and they would actually be able to hang out alongside those who employed them. In slate employed. Well, here's the thing: there was <laughs> both as well, paid servants, okay. indentured servants, and also enslaved people. You know, gambling, drinking, eating alongside their enslavers. Ooh. So, yeah, isn't that weird? But it goes into this. How do I put this? There's this thought that if you give the masses a couple days of rest, it'll keep them happy for the rest of the year. Well, yeah, that's why. Throw the dog a bone. You uh. Big corporate, corporate, you know, you, you've worked for like corporate business, right? Like retail. Hard, hardly. You have like the pizza party, 
right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, hey guys, here's here's some pizza. Hope hope. And you're like, could could we get a raise? And they're like, yep. oh, the pizza'll be fine. Exactly. We, we're gonna close an hour early today. And you get to go home. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, aren't you grateful? Yeah. yeah we're we're such a team here. It's like a family. Yeah. <laughs> Give them a day off and. Yeah. And that's kind of what this uh, this festival was. A couple days off, right? A servant was chosen as the, quote, Lord of Misrule and was allowed to go around and kind of cause a little bit of mischief. All in good fun, though. So how does this celebration from ancient Roman times become Christmas? So, of course, as Christianity starts to spread, the church wanted to distance itself from those pagan traditions. Yes. Yeah. Ancient religious sites were closed down and rituals were prohibited. But Saturnalia was so popular that eliminating it entirely kind of just wasn't going to be possible. So what do they do? They kind of absorb the holiday and transform it into Christmas with Jesus's birth as the centerpiece. They declared it December 25th. Which, of course, is also in line with not just Saturnalia, but a significant amount of other regional cultural most cultures had in some way shape or form a solstice celebration uh and especially when it comes like to the roman empire as they're expanding as they're you know empiring and then the catholic church is empiring as well it's it's easier to conquer a people if you're gonna be more inclusive of some of their ideas instead of cutting them off from their ideas so when they're like oh yeah we have this celebration which is now this celebration but it's uh it's a solstice celebration you celebrate that we, we can all just celebrate the same solstice but ours is better and then at that point like again it's so rooted in they're tr- like these people have been celebrating a version of yeah. a winter solstice celebration for hundreds, if not thousands of years at this point. You can't just get rid of it and change it. I mean, Henry VIII just decided to like make a church like <laughs> you can do that. But it's really hard to change something that is so ingrained across the cultures, well, not I mean, just England, not just, you know, the Germanic tribes, Scandinavia, like all these groups of people had these traditions forming around the same time. It's a really cool example of how humans, you know, I'm sure you've heard humans create the same stories. Like it's yeah. kind of just innately ingrained in us. If you look across continents throughout time, people that have never come into contact with each other that have no business telling the same stories have the same archetypes in those stories. They all follow the same narrative, the hero's journey. So these festivals, these traditions, these pagan, whatever you want to call them, celebrations that are occurring thousands of years ago, they're all kind of developing over the course of centuries and at the same time in different pockets of uh, northern Europe, the Mediterranean area. Of course, you can try to get rid of these holidays. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, hold on. Hold on until the, <laughs> we're, we got a couple hundred years before we get to the period. Well, you're saying you can't just outlaw these things. I'm looking at it being like, okay, but they did. Yeah, but they had, <laughs> but people weren't happy with it and they started rioting and they started <laughs> protesting. So it's a little harder to stamp out than one would think. 
So again, the Christians kind of absorb the holiday from the the early Romans, and it is now Jesus's birthday. Which, of course, is not, I think. I I was going to say. Just going to cover that. I read that that they don't know. They don't have an exact date on that. They just chose it. Yeah, so it it, it gets... I have a I have a clipping from Increase Mather on the matter okay. for, for later if you want to hold on to that thought. Sure, sure. We can <laughs> we can we can have that conversation. So during the medieval era, Christmas was in fact the longest holiday of the year. It lasted twelve days from Christmas Eve through January sixth. Is that like the the 12 days of Christmas. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. I was looking, I saw like a TikTok the other day. Huh? And like in passing, I probably should have paid more attention to it. Um, but I was not sure like the validity of it. Is I guess they're all birds? No, no, no not all. <laughs> no, they're not all birds, but there's a lot of birds. No, no, no you, even like the maids of milking and the lords are. What about five golden rings. Is it different? Like they're all types of birds. Or like originally they were all birds, and it, and if you do it all, right? So on the first day you get one, but on the second day yeah, you yeah. get how many is it, Jeffrey? I think they said three hundred and sixty-four. <laughs> <laughs> if I remember the the TikTok correctly, I was like, it would be what twelve plus eleven plus ten plus nine plus eight plus seven, right? That's how it works. You're still, on the ninth day, you got... Oh, you get all of them over yeah. again. Yeah. It's not just, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the first day of Christmas, you get a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, you get a partridge in a pear tree. And on the third day... To what? And what? What is it, Jeffrey? Two calling birds. Oh, there we go. And then on the third day, you get another pear tree, another set of calling birds, and three French hens. And the fourth day, so it's just... There was two turtle doves. Oh, shoot. Sorry. What did I say? All right. We need to end this conversation. But before <laughs> before we do, this 12 days of Christmas plays into the most one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Oh, goodness. You, and it's Christmas related, if you want to hear it. Yeah. So when I was young, I was put in dance class, as many young girls were, uh, tap and ballet. Didn't like either of them. Halfway through the year, usually fell around the holidays, and they would want to do a holiday showcase, like showcase what you learned so far this year. And it was a quite simple dance. It was the 12 days of Christmas. So it's the same thing over and over and over again. So each day had a dance move. I remember ballet, right? So very simple, like plies, things like that. When it got to five golden rings, it was, you were supposed to do a twirl, just spin around. Oh, you've told me this. I am sure they didn't give a lot of instruction, right? Like I was probably five or six at this time. And I, being the overachiever that I am, Spun around as many times as I could each time. Like I didn't just do one twirl. I did as many twirls and I was spinning on, you know, the the concrete floor and my really soft ballet slipper. And we have this all on video. The last round, 12 days of Christmas, each one goes through. The five golden rings comes up. Bam. (laughs) Thigh to the floor, totally fell. It was so embarrassing in front of everyone. We got it on video. 
So this happens, right? Fast forward a couple of years and we're watching family videos at Christmas and they start playing this video of cute little Sarah performing to 12 days of Christmas and I know it's coming and no one else knows it's coming. And part of me like wished that I could will it hard enough to not happen. <laughs> like, no, there's no way. Maybe this is a different tape. Maybe we performed it twice and this isn't the time. And it just kept happening. It got closer and closer. I was like, maybe it'll change. Maybe it'll fast forward. We don't need to watch it. And it happened. And the whole family, it was Christmas Eve. Whole family had been there. Probably like 15 of us. They laughed so hard. They started rewinding it. Over and over and <laughs> over again. I started crying. I was so embarrassed. It was horrible. I was like seven. Oh. So that's my embarrassing Christmas story. Oof. I took a tumble and it lived on in infamy. The, 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 the fall or the spin that lived in infamy or something. Yes. But 12 Days of Christmas. Yes. This is where we get our, our yeah. cute little carol from. They would use these 12 days as a time of rest. And you'll see that theme over and over again throughout. Other common activities included decorating with evergreens and berries. Holly, ivy, and mistletoe were heavily used, uh, believed to ward off spirits and encourage fertility by the Celts. So now we're coming, we're getting into a different set of traditions here. A lot of these ideas of decorating with the evergreens and the mistletoe and a Yule log, maybe you've heard that phrase before, that term before. These traditions don't come from Saturnalia per se, but Yule, yeah. a, a winter celebration originally recognized by the Norse and Scandinavian people in the northern parts of Europe. So the, the, the tree, though, I think uh, oftentimes while within the scope of a Yule celebration, uh, there might have been things along those lines. The concept and idea of a tree that we have today, a lot of people like to hearken it to a Yule celebration, uh, but it's likely not. That's probably a bit of a stretch. Um, and also what we find is that while... They may have been decorating trees. They may have been using evergreens. They may have had some connection with those, especially as they are evergreen, and so is holly, and so is mistletoe. So there's that connection to life through the winter. Mm -hmm. The tree decoration idea uh, is really a Germanic thing. Oh yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I didn't yeah, say yeah. I didn't say Christmas trees in here. I just said started decorating with evergreen Ever, okay, okay. the christmas trees aren't coming in for a little bit here. okay okay <laughs> yes yes we'll get to the german people in a bit but yeah this is so this is coming from like northern parts of europe it was meant to be a time of rebirth renewal creativity fertility and transformation as we see in today's celebrations of yule and again all rooted in pre-christian times it's that darn solstice man so depending on the source, Yule was either a three-day feast beginning on the eve of the winter solstice, a 12-day celebration starting on the solstice, or a two-month celebration beginning in mid-November. It's kind of hard to pin down. I, I saw all of those. Because, again, you know, we're looking at pre, um, not just pre-Christian times, but like pre, like, a lot of these are oral traditions right, that right. would have been passed down, not necessarily written and calendars were calendars have changed people's understanding uh, like but we all know it was a winter solstice celebration although you all know it's weird 
we have the winter solstice here, right? We're coming up in like 20, 10 days. I don't know, whatever it is. That's only for half the world. The bottom half is celebrating the summer solstice. Do they celebrate the other one? I, I, I like anyone in Australia want to let us know. <laughs> so while we are coming up on our shortest day of the year, they are coming up on their longest day of the year. Interesting. So any of their, and while they are still going to be celebrating Hanukkah or Christmas, um, as it is a monthly December. Oh, shoot. So everything we're saying doesn't even really apply to people in the Southern Hemisphere. Not, not a lot. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I've always. I think they still celebrate. Right. A but, lot of these things. Which is so weird because, you know, a lot of these festivi- festivities, the festivities that we're talking about are in celebration or are centered around the solstice where you have now the days are getting longer, right? Light is coming back to the world. Warmth is coming back. Crops are going to come back. Spring is yeah, a time of we've, renewal. We've made that turning point, and that's what a lot of these celebrations were based around, where in which if you're in the Southern Hemisphere and you're celebrating Christmas, it your days are getting shorter. <laughs> It's nothing to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fall, right? And they, it would be summer down there while they're celebrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So their days, like middle of summer, they, you know, we've got twelve hours of darkness. They got twelve hours of day. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. The twelve and twelve. So that doesn't make sense. Eighteen, eighteen is probably the way it breaks down. But yeah. And it's eighteen and eighteen. Well, we have eighteen hours of darkness. They have eighteen hours of light. Okay, there we go. Yeah. I just didn't. I want to make sure you weren't putting eighteen no, 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 and eighteen no. together. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I've always that's so weird, and 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 how you know, that that global idea of these holidays has spread so far that it surpasses it 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 trumps the sun. Yeah, who cares where, where yeah. the sun's going? We're so going to still have, celebrate Yule, <laughs> right? That's great. so all these you know the the these fertility, these winters, these food, these harvests, these celebrations does not apply to the southern hemisphere. Sorry, guys, but anyway. So we also see these Yule traditions coming from, as you mentioned just a little bit ago, the Germanic tribes as well. And we have early Germanic migrants to England to thank for the Christmas trees and other Christmas traditions. And more specifically, Queen Victoria and her husband Albert for bringing the Christmas tree into modern pop culture. Yeah, which is kind of cool. I think it's so cool. I'm right? I'm kind of a big fan. Like ever since the crown came out <laughs> like years ago, huge fan of the I don't want to say fan, fascinated. I'm fascinated by the royal family because we don't have that over here. So it's kind of cool to trace the stories, trace the lines. Queen Victoria and Albert, that is quite the love story. Yeah. And, yeah. And Many of you probably know Albert was from Germany and she encouraged him to decorate a tree as was custom in his country. Not, not, not always just, it was a slightly more regional thing. It wasn't like, I mean, Germany's not like U.S. size, not massive, but it wasn't like a big German thing. It was a little more, little more regional. Um, and he's like, these are our traditions. And she's like, then there are traditions. And when the queen says there are traditions... When Vicky wants something, yep. you know it's going to be big. Yep. And they uh, they sent out like a Christmas card with the family gathered around the tree. And the boom. rest is history. <laughs> like literally. That's, that's it right there. 
So, of course, everyone wants to be like the royal family. Yep. And it is a fun tradition. Early trees were decorated with dried fruit and candles. Probably not the best idea. I think we all right? know that's a fire <laughs> hazard at this point. Now, of course, we have lights, but we still do this today. We put the lights on the trees, no candles. Although, I think like, I remember candles on trees like in some places when I was like little. Remember you, you 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 could get the little like yeah they would clip on yeah you have to yeah. watch that real closely. What do you put on top of your tree? Uh, my roommate has a little Santa figure. It's like a ah oh. just slides on the top. I wonder if any of our listeners have a Krampus on their tree. I bet I guarantee you some of them do. <laughs> oh wait, they have one at Nocturne. Yeah, <laughs> it's literally on top of the tree, and they do listen to the podcast. Yeah, so. there we go. Never mind, mystery solved. Uh, we use a bow. Oh, nice, nice. Yes. Do you do like the cascading bow down it? You know, it has I mean? a slight cascade to okay. it. Okay. We had a, a star growing up, which I always appreciated. My mom had an angel. Mm-hmm. One of those the angels. Yep, one of those fiber optic ones. Oh, okay. All the rage in the late nineties. <laughs> of course, and you see on like Instagrams and whatever. Sometimes the uh, historically accurate. Have you seen like a historically accurate angel tree topper? Yes, I was just you. I was that. That's the reason why I brought up what do you put on your tree? Because I can't get that image out of my mind with like all the wings and the eyeballs. eyeballs and it's you're like, like it's an angel on top of the tree. Remember to put the anatomically correct angel on top of the tree. Yeah, it's great. Another Christmas tradition we kind of derive from Yule would be our Christmas ham, believe Mm -hmm. it or not. Uh, I guess more broadly, just this idea of feasting. We see that in a lot of the winter solstice celebrations. But the Yule boar, as it was called, was associated with the Yule god Freyr, whose mount was a gold-bristled boar. And in old times, they would lead the chosen boar through a grand hall to the king. And as he made his way, people would lay their hands on the boar and the bristles and make a vow. And then they would sacrifice the boar and eat it. And now we get yummy ham. Ham is my favorite. Is it? Yeah. Like leaps. And I, so I don't like turkey. I like turkey. Have we had this conversation? No, we have not. Okay. We don't need to make it a thing. <laughs> but so I... I'm not a big Thanksgiving person. Whatever. Take it or leave it. Uh, I'll eat turkey that day. It's usually pretty good, but I'm like, it's not. Like, I'll never choose it, but I love ham. Ham's good. So on Christmas, you get like a big ham. Ah, it's brilliant. Love it. I feel like I can eat more turkey than ham, but that's just me. But this idea of feasting at these holidays, especially, like I said, during the winter solstice, kind of makes made logical sense to farmers to perhaps slaughter more of their animals. You're not keeping them for the winter. Leading into winter because food is going to be a bit more scarce. It's better not to have, you know, you have less mouths to feed and you're able to stockpile meat as well. So, So of course. If you slaughter a couple cattle or a couple uh, pigs, you don't have to feed them all winter. Right. And then you can cure those meats and you can feed yourselves all winter. Yep. And then you'll likely get more livestock come springtime yep. as those those babies are being born. Yep. So the, these ideas of rest over those, you know, the week or so, um, the ideas of the, the feasting, the decor, all these are rooted in these old pagan traditions. Also, the Yule log. That's a neat one. 
So that one, that one has a variety of different details to it, depending on, again, regional. So yeah, it's not yeah. like today's world where everyone is, you know, someone comes up with a new idea. This is the best way to cook a Yule log. And they throw it up on TikTok and then everyone and their mother is doing it the next year or the next day. This, it was very regional. So in some places, like the Vikings used oak. I saw in Scotland, they often used birch. Uh, in England, they, they preferred ash trees. Like, so there's a wide variety of different woods that would have been chosen. One of the really cool things about the Yule Log is it is like one of the four certain, like 100% Yule, ancient Yule traditions. Something that has sustained throughout yeah. the yeah. centuries and, and like, throughout the changing of the cultures. Yeah. You can look at a lot of these things and be like, well, just because both cultures were doing these things doesn't mean that's the reason that we're doing it, right? Like, unless you can find a direct, like, through history adaptation, continued use of it, you can't assume that one culture is doing it because another culture did it. But with the Yulog, we have, like, significant historical record of it going all the way back to uh, uh, pagan roots in um, Scandinavia, which is cool. Burn it. And it's big. It's very, it's very big. So it was supposed to ideally burn for 12 days. 12 days? So, Again? So imagine. Think like arm, like put your arms out, create a big, big circle, make it even bigger. Like we're talking a huge chunk of wood. Yeah. That's what she said. <laughs> But so it lights, you light it, it's supposed to stay lit for 12 days. If you've seen the new version of Sabrina, they light the Yule log in the fireplace. It has to stay lit or evil spirits will come down the chimney. So it did sometimes go out and that was okay. You just light it up the next morning. And then once the festivities were over, after the 12 days were done, the remainder of the log, those ashes, would have been uh, collected and held onto for the next year. They would have been used to light the next Yule log. And some even thought that they had medicinal properties. There's a whole range of superstitious <laughs> beliefs and benefits that went along with the Yule log ashes. Some said that they could prevent a lightning strike, that they would give good luck, uh, sure. Could heal cattle, could heal a toothache, and was good for crops. They were probably good for crops. Ashes in general tend yeah. to be. So I'll, I'll I'll give them that. <laughs> the but the other stuff, yeah. Mm, although maybe the charcoal on the teeth activated. I'm not gonna go. Don't even try. <laughs> but it's a fun. It's a fun. You know, superstition. Yeah, yeah. We also have the Yule goat. Celebrated in Nordic countries where they may continue, like to this day, build a large straw goat. Yeah, there's one in, I lost it, Finland, I believe. Ooh, have you seen it? Massive, like like 60, 70 foot tall. Yeah, we're talking Trojan horse size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not talking like the little Yule goats you can go and get. I don't know. I've never, I had never heard of this tradition until today. You can like I, you can you can get them around town though. Yule goats. Yeah, yeah the the little straw ones. Oh, I didn't know. That's very cool. Yeah, that's very cool. I I, th- I wouldn't be surprised. It is Salem. Yeah, I've bought I've bought a couple. They range in sizes and they can be made normally from straw and hay. 
You tie them with the red ribbon and things like that. Yeah. Or you may, if you are in those countries today, even catch someone dressed as a goat walking around and uh, singing carols. Yes. So origins of the Yule goat tie to a bit of Norse mythology. Uh, The god Thor, his chariot was pulled by two goats, which I did not know. Yes. (laughs) Did you know that? Yes. Didn't you see Love and Thunder? I did not. Oh, okay. Did he have two goats? Yeah. yeah, Oh, that's great. See, there we go. Oh, people (laughs) appreciate that. I I mean, I knew that before that, but yeah. Some have speculated maybe this is where the reindeer came from. Donner and Blitzen actually translate to thunder and lightning. And lightning, yes. The inspiration for the reindeer may have also come from Thor's father, Odin, who rode an eight-legged horse. Which is why we perhaps have eight reindeer. So these these things are correlations that we're making today. Mm-hmm. There is not any historical evidence for it. True. Which is a little sad. A hundred percent. But what we're doing is we're saying, well... It's hard to understand where they're getting their beliefs from. Yeah. Right? Yes. So while the idea of the reindeer... The eight reindeer uh, perhaps is tied to Odin's horse and the idea of the reindeer uh, as relation to goats being tied to Thor are both possible. The first iteration that we see of a character called now Santa Claus is in uh, 1821. Yeah, so we're not, I'm, I'm not saying these are Santa Claus, yeah. but perhaps... He was inspired by, because again, these traditions, these beliefs, these celebrations are transforming over the course of centuries. Mm -hmm. And there are certain figureheads in the different pockets of these celebrating areas that resemble Santa Claus. So perhaps it's not like he just popped up in 1821. Yes, we do have the popularized iteration and... This um, with like mass production and like Christmas cards and the Christmas Carol. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) Like you have mass books and magazines. Like you have the public consuming these figures and figureheads. But back in this time, you obviously don't have that. So you have these different types of uh, versions of what we know as Santa Claus being created and kind of mesh together through time but yeah there's not there's not a direct link like it's not like we again we don't have a lot of written record for where these early traditions come from yeah there's there's a lot of uh conversations of uh feeding travelers of giving presents of like the actual saint nicholas of, of travelers in the night and these sorts of things and all that's like we've talked about sort of regionally different. But we'll get to Santa Claus shortly. In a second here. Some also continue to make the argument that he is somehow inspired by Odin, Odin. because Odin is featured oftentimes with that long white beard, yep. uh, a hat, a cloak. But then you see the same, again, you see the same type of image depicted in an old father time, mm-hmm. more of an English tradition. And then St. Nicholas down in the Mediterranean. So St. Nicholas, the real one, or the legend of, 
because you know some people still speculate with whether or not he's sure. a real guy. <laughs> um, it can be tra- he can be traced to uh, a Turkish a Turkish monk born in two eighty C.E. current Oof. era. So a long, long time ago, known for helping the poor and the sick, children in particular, and wouldn't come into American pop culture until the Dutch families of New York brought him over. Well, thank you to the Dutch. And that's where we get, I mean, so Christmas in America is a whole nother conversation. But I think it is important to understand that these myths and traditions are developing simultaneously and are also influenced by each other over time. It's a very messy conversation. We're talking thousands of years of history here. It's, it's evolving as, as these cultures grow. And even like, like our understanding of Santa Claus today is different than 100 years ago. For sure. So like we've probably seen an evolution of Santa Claus within most of our lifetimes, if you like think about it. I just had an image in my head. Imagine making all the Puritans sit down and watch Bad Santa. <laughs> or uh, what was the one last year with the guy from Stranger Things who was killing all the people? The Santa Claus. Oh, is a Bad Santa like a another bad holiday one? No, no. He was he was like the good guy, but he was oh. like a hitman. I have I did not see this. Yeah, it's actually pretty. Shoot, it's really good. There's. Wait, is he Santa? He is Santa. Santa. No, because there's magic. He gets like he gets like busted up, but he's Santa. You, he like you let me know what this is called. This sounds interesting. <laughs> okay, I, I gotta I gotta jump to that the IMDb here real quick. Da, 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 da. People are listening. Be like, oh, why can't you remember it? They're screaming it at me. Violent night. Ooh, like Silent Night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's actually Santa. Uh, some mercenaries attack this estate, and he's like delivering the presents, and he, gets, and he like, saves the family. Yeah, but what? by going like murder Santa on mm. these on these kidnappers. What a plot! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should actually. I'd recommend it to everyone. Is it was actually pretty good. I may or may not add it to my watch list. <laughs> but anyway, it's funny that you bring up death because that's a segue. Another feature of the holidays and Yule specifically is this whole thinning of the veil. Again, that darn veil. In Germanic pagan traditions, Yule was a time for supernatural occurrences and ancestor worship, and we see it in modern day practices as well. Um, There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories. Uh, yeah. Long, long ago. Yep. There's this idea of sitting around the Yule log telling stories. Of I mean, freaking doggone um, Christmas Carol. Yeah. Yep. I mean, people are like, ooh, Christmas. Like, there's like a revival of like spooky Christmas. And like, a couple of years ago, I was talking to someone. They're like, well, you know, like you had your Halloween. I was like, okay, well, do you want Christmas Carol or not? Some people make the argument Christmas and just like the winter time in general is spookier than fall. Like the days are shorter. The nights are longer. Everything seems to be dying. And it it's, is. It's dead. It's cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems appropriate for ghosts to come about. Do you know how many ghosts there are in A Christmas Carol? I want to say three, but it's probably going to be the wrong answer, right? Yes. It's four. Why? Is it because he's technically a ghost? There's the ghost of Christmas 
past, present, and yet to come. Okay. And Jacob Marley. Which one's that? His partner in the chains. They, these are the chains I forged in life. Oh, does he actually die, though? Marley? Yeah. Marley's been dead these 10 years. Oh, yes. Sorry, I've only, it's been a while. It's okay. Ah, oh, okay. Good, great little riddle there. It's a little, know? yeah. People are always like, and then I, you can get like pedantic with it because like as the spirits, the ghost of Christmas present is flying, they see like other spirits or they say they see other spirits. And of course he has the two children um, who are, could also be considered spirits, you know. Um, it's but, really Stupid argument to Four. get into. <laughs> <laughs> but they, there's always someone who's going to be like, well, you know. Yeah, you're one of those people. <laughs> no, it's four. It's four spirits. It's four. Everyone, it's four spirits in a Christmas carol. Like four lights. That would be a Charles Dickens Christmas carol. Yes. First published in 1843. Ah. You just gave me my segue, Jeffrey. <laughs> On December 19th, to be exact, and by that Christmas Eve, so just a couple days later, it had sold out. And by the end of 1844, the very next year, they had already gone through 13 editions. So it was a hit. So that's going to be five years before that Christmas card of Victorian Albert. And it's going to be 20 years after the publication of um, Old Santa Claus with Much Delight, which is where we get the first... Uh, understanding of Santa Claus having a sleigh, reindeer, and wearing red. So he's falling like right in the midst of a return to Christmas. Yeah. The pre-Victorian era, or sorry, the early Victorian era was very much much marked by this. And then, sorry, we got the old Santa Claus and the Delight, and then Twas the Night Before Christmas is published two years later. I was going to say, that one falls in there somewhere. Yeah, 1823. Um Gosh, and, that one's old. Yeah. And yeah. we still read it all the time. Yeah. I used to have most of it memorized. That's a long poem, Jeffrey. Yeah. So prior to the Victorian era, Christmas was kind of on the decline. <laughs> oh. It was not very popular. Wow. Thanks. Thanks, Oliver. Which is wild to think about because I think a lot of people consider it the biggest holiday of the year at this point. Yeah. Although Halloween is coming coming up on its heels. The British were sort of reevaluating their Christmas traditions. And why did we see this decline in the first place? Well, we have our pesky Puritans to thank for that. And just in general, the Protestants. Yeah. So in uh, 1645, uh, the English Parliament, along with Oliver Cromwell, basically... I heard he was a fringe character. Okay. But that's just what I read. I believe he, he he was the Lord Protector at that time, though. They stand in for the king because they, they disband the monarchy. So he's ruling the Commonwealth of England. Mm-hmm. And it's under his tenure as Lord Protector that they quash Christmas. But it was Parliament that pushed it through. Yeah, but he's he's in charge. Okay. I just I read that he was just a... Okay. Uh, what's the word? Periphery character at best. Like okay. It was more of a joint effort. Of them all, the first ban actually came a year prior when the the first official ban came when their monthly day of fasting coincided with Christmas in December. So can't have that. 
parliament trumps these pagan traditions, yep. the following year you get a... No, you don't even get it then. The direct ban comes in 1647. In 1645 is when they released the, uh, quote, yes. new directory of public worship. So that was kind of like a how-to guide on how to worship for the Anglican Church. Yeah. And it outlawed Christmas. Well, it said that you should no longer observe Christmas and Easter and other such festivals. So they weren't actually outlawed. And especially in the way that they had been celebrated. We've talked a lot about these these decorations, these drinking celebrations, party kind of deal. Uh, the Puritans were like, well, no, but if you're going to celebrate it, maybe just like take some time to yourself and <laughs> pray a little bit, like some little bit of introspection. No big celebration, though. And that complete ban would come in June 1647 when Parliament passed an ordinance banning Christmas, Easter, and Whitsun festivities. Not just public services, though. Celebrations inside one's home. Yeah. So, like, you could not put up a Christmas tree. You could not exchange make, presents. You couldn't make Christmas food. You couldn't have that big family feast. Yeah. And they had, like, patrolmen. That would like, if they suspected you or if they found you cooking the meal, they would confiscate it. Yeah, they probably just ate it. Right? I'm like, I'm sitting there being like, and then they'd, ah. then they'd issue a fine. Yeah. You got fined for disobeying this ordinance. And people, of course, were not pleased. There were riots, there were protests, nothing too crazy. Uh, you can't get too crazy back then, but enough to show their dissatisfaction. And that's in England, though. Oh, yeah. The Puritans. <laughs> they hated Catholicism and these pagan traditions even more so than your average Englishman. Puritan. The Cromwell was a Puritan. So the Puritans did hold Parliament, and he was a, a Puritan. Um, so he was definitely an anti-Christmas man. Yeah. <laughs> but, but even the Puritans ruling in England at that time were not like the Puritans over here. Yeah, it was the unruliness, the leisure, and the sometimes even violent behavior that came with those celebrations that they hated. Yeah. It was everything but in the Puritan nature. Drink the, and be merry? I don't think so. Yeah, don't look the Charles Dickens Christmas, the cute, like, you know, help the poor, spend time with your family, feast, rest, that wasn't necessarily the Christmas that they knew at that time. Yeah. It was very much a rambunctious celebration where there was a lot of drunkenness and a lot of indulgence. So definitely not in line with the Puritan way of life. It was formally outlawed in 1659 here in Massachusetts. However... That statute would be tossed out when the colony was reorganized in the 1680s. So it was only a couple decades or so. Do you, do you want to read it? Go ahead. So this is the penalty for keeping Christmas. For preventing disorders arising in several places within this jurisdiction by reason of some still observing such festivals as were superstitiously kept in other countries, to the great dishonor of God and the offense of others. It is therefore ordered by this court and the authority thereof that whoever shall be found observing any such day as Christmas or the like, either by forbearing of labor, feasting, or any other way upon such accounts as aforesaid, 
Every single person so offending shall pay for every such offense five shillings as a fine to this country. Five shillings. Which you, is about $50. You get fined for being Mary. Yeah. Hey, I hate the Puritans. <laughs> oh, go get them, guys. So Increase Mather, one of our favorite Puritans, was known to loathe Christmas. Shocking. I think we could consider him um, a Scrooge of, uh, of yeah. sorts before there was a Scrooge. He also recognized that Christmas had ties to the Roman celebration of Saturnalia. So he saw it as that pagan tradition and just a pitiful excuse for sin and excess. Mm. So he came out with this book in 1687, a pamphlet maybe would be a better description. It's called A Testimony Against Several Profane and Superstitious Customs Now Practiced by Some in New England. The evil whereof is invinced from the holy scriptures and from the writings both of ancient and modern divines. Gotta love a long 17th century title. <laughs> to be fair, I, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I pulled out just a couple excerpts from this uh, specifically regarding Christmas. So I'm going to read them to you. It's just fun hearing Increase Mather's thoughts. Against profane Christmas keeping. It can never be proved that Christ was born on December 25th. It is most probable that the nativity was in September. The New Testament allows of no stated holiday but the Lord's Day. It was in compliance with the pagan Saturnalia that Christmas holidays were first invented. The manner of Christmas keeping, as generally observed, is highly dishonorable to the name of Christ. The word, he goes on further, the word Christmas is enough to cause such as are studious of reformation to dislike what shall be known by a name so superstitious. So basically saying anyone of the reformation, any Protestant, should look at Christmas with, with superstition. Why should Protestants own anything which has the name Mass in it? How unfeudable ah. is it to join Christ and Mass together? H-E, Christ and Antichrist. He literally put that. He, I think what he's, he's literally alluding Christmas, Christ, Antichrist. <laughs> oh, Mather, Puritans. And one last one here, he's talking about the indulgence that people yes. partake in. Because, of course, as the Puritans, they are a zero-fun society. The fun police. Yeah. Fun governors. <laughs> the generality of Christmas keepers. I love Christmas keepers. I'm going to go. I'm, well, a, I'm a Christmas keeper. <laughs> well, yeah. Remember in, in uh, uh, Christmas Carol, they'll keep Christmas in. I'll, I, I vow to keep Christmas in my heart. Oh, Christmas Keeper. Yeah. That's yeah. cute. Good connection. <laughs> the generality of Christmas Keepers observe that festival after such a manner as is highly dishonorable to the name of Christ. How few are there comparatively that spend those holidays? He has holidays in um, italicized and oh. in parentheses as they are called. <laughs> after an holy manner also italicized but they are consumed in 
Compotations, in interludes, in playing at cards, in revelings, in excess of wine, in mad mirth. Will Christ, the Holy Son of God, be pleased with such services? Just after this manner were the Saturnalia of the heathen celebration. Heathen celebrated. Saturn was the gaming god. Oh. <laughs> and he goes on to complain some more about more Christmas and other holidays, but right from Increase Mather himself. The it, man, the myth, the humbug. The, the Scrooge. Yeah. And those words would stick. Christmas wouldn't become a federal holiday in the States until 1870. Right? Like, what even? So what even? it was a combination of those Puritan and like uh, more broadly Protestant yeah. anti-Christmas beliefs, but also... After the American Revolution, you see just a general disdain towards English customs. So, unfortunately, Christmas got coupled into that, and we see a little bit of distancing from that as well. Mm-hmm. But jumping back into that Victorian era, that's where we really see the revival of the Christmas holiday uh-huh. we know and celebrate today. And then, of course, hit in the early 1900s, you got Coca-Cola, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Very much ingrained in the day-to-day pop culture of society. Yeah. But we, we, we really have seen uh, recently a break from the religious ideologies of Christmas into a more uh, non-secular celebration. I, I know most people I know celebrate Christmas. Most people I know who celebrate Christmas do not celebrate Christ. Right. It's, it's a total different thing. No, yeah. I would completely agree. Again, where, where I said I'm from, the Midwest, Michigan, it was a small town, and uh-huh. they are very much on the Merry Christmas side of the Happy Holiday debate. Sure. But I feel like even in just the last 10 years, yeah. 15 years, 20 years, we have seen a distinct break from that rigidity. Yeah. Is that a word? Rigidness? Rigidity. Rigidity. There we go. But yeah, people seem to be embracing. I think it's because we, you know, we have the internet. People yeah. are becoming more yeah. informed. Like we can recognize that these traditions, you know, it's not an easy black and white. A lot of them are rooted in pre-Christian, you know. Right, and we can choose how we celebrate. We're not beholden. I mean, everyone loves loves. I love a good Christmas tradition, but there's you know, when you have like like Friendsgiving, right? Is like that idea of it doesn't have to be. And you can go, and there's light shows and, and market. And I know there's like sale, and there's a lot, but there's sleigh rides, and you can go to a lot of places and have a wide variety of that solstice celebration. It's that time of year where we are all celebrating in one way, shape, or form. Celebrating the sun coming back. Uh, I don't know about you, Jeff, but I'm all good on these four o'clock sunsets, okay? Yeah, I, it was like dark at 3.30 today. I don't. Bring back the sun. I'm normally okay with, with that. This year's been a little a little rough. Hey, it's going to end in a couple days. What is it? We got about a little over a week, week and a half. Yeah. Pretty soon we'll be welcoming the sun back. We can have our festive Yule celebration and uh, give way to the light. We can have our 12 days of Christmas. We can have our Yule logs. We can watch Twelfth Night, as Shakespeare wrote his play. Or Christmas Carol. Or Christmas Carol. Or Santa Claus. Lisk, I could keep going. We could keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I have just a couple quick fun facts for you about Christmas before we leave them. Hit me. 
I'm not one to love the History Channel, but I will plug them for this easy uh, accumulation of knowledge. Oh, it was like a 12 facts of... It was the, No, but that would have been... I bet there was 12. I should have looked. I just pulled out a couple fun ones. So did you know the first eggnog made in the United States was consumed in Captain John Smith's 1607 Jamestown settlement? I did not. Neither did I. Poinsettia plants are named after Joel R. Poinsett, an American minister to Mexico, who brought the red and green plant from Mexico to America in 1828. Ah. Don't let your uh, cats near the poinsettias, guys. And the last one, do you guys get a real tree? Of course you do. It's like 10 feet tall. It is. It's a nice tree. Ours is kind of, it's got some bald spots, but I like it the way it is. Each year, 25 to 30 million Christmas trees are sold in the United States alone. Real Christmas trees. There are about 15,000 Christmas tree farms in the United States. And the trees that we get are usually grown between 4 and 15 years. Ah. Yeah. Interesting. I'm hoping I'm hoping here in a couple of weeks we, we get a burning. Oh, yes, the Christmas tree burning. Haven't, we haven't had it in like four years. I know, it keeps getting canceled. Yeah, rained out, COVID canceled. But uh, fingers crossed this year at Dead Horse Beach, about oh, a week and a half after Christmas, uh, the city gathers all the trees and we have a big bonfire. Torch the trees. Very pagan of us. I know. <laughs> Probably very, looks awesome from the ocean. Yeah. Very, very, very Yule celebration. So I think that's going to wrap us up for the day. We hope however you celebrate your holidays, you are enjoying this time of year with friends, family, and loved ones. And I hope everyone's looking forward to shorter nights and longer days. Hear, hear. Huzzah. (laughs) Thanks for listening. See you later.